Father, as we look around this world today and uh, we see the clouds gathering, uh, it looks like a very great storm is coming upon our earth, Lord. Help us as we look at this text today in Revelation chapter 7. Just see uh, how you're going to position your church uh, during this great tribulation, Lord, that's coming upon the world. Lord, we all face tribulations. We all face the possibility of death at any time. And so, Lord, there's a great lesson here about, about uh, getting close to you, as, po- as close as we possibly can to you before those storms come, Lord, because it's under the shadow of your wings that, that uh, we want to live in your light and in your glory and in, in your presence and uh, experience the, the joy and peace that we can have there. And Lord, so I ask you to teach these lessons today that are here in this text and and uh, help, them to, help us to apply them to our lives. And, and uh, Lord, uh, not only uh, do we want to gain wisdom about the end times, we want to know how to live in these end times. And so I ask for that, that blessing today. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. Jesus, over in Matthew chapter 16, rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees. And listen to what he said. He said, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, they missed out because their time was the time of the first coming of Jesus Christ. But the second coming of Jesus Christ is right on the horizon. And I wonder about us, are we able to discern the times in which we live? I mean, can we recognize the fact that a great storm is coming upon this earth and it's coming very soon? Now, last week in the book of Revelation, in the first part of chapter number 7, we saw these four angels uh, stationed at the four corners of the earth and they were holding back these four winds. And when you see the number four, that's the number for the earth, for the whole world. And so they were holding back these four winds that were about to blow upon the whole world. And we know that to be the Great Tribulation. And more than likely, that is World War III. When World War III breaks out, if, if we're still here, we might have missed the rapture because I believe that, that uh, uh, that war will probably be the war that we see in the Great Tribulation. And he, when you look at the news today, I mean, I just, I just took a few uh, headlines from the news and, and, uh, that I'm going to share with you, but when you look at the news today, I mean, you, World War III could break out at any second. I mean, just a couple of things I read about China. This week, China had their aircraft carriers off the coast of Taiwan in Taiwan's, not in international waters, but in Taiwan's waters, which they consider their waters, but, but they're threatening Taiwan right now. They also threatened the United States this past week. I don't know if you read the article, but the United States sent a ship through the South China Sea, and they cl- are basically claiming all the South China Sea as their property, and so they're threatening the United States with war if we continue to send our ships through that South China Sea. I saw this week where Sweden passed out 5 million pamphlets uh, in, with instructions on what the S- Swedish citizens are to do when Russia or if Russia 
invade Sweden. They're expecting that at any time, or they're, uh, they're afraid that's going to happen at any time. And then there are our friends, the North Koreans. You, you can read about them every, uh, you can find an article any time of the day about the North Koreans threatening the United States. They, they're going to go to the Olympics, but at the same time, they're threatening the United States with a nuclear strike. And so, I mean, I could go on, on and on and on with this, but, but uh, if you have your head out of the sand, uh, you know that we're living in very dangerous times. And listen, and if, even if we don't live to see the Great Tribulation, I tell you what, all of us are facing death uh, in a very short period of time. Our lives are nothing more than a vapor. This past week, my uh, brother-in-law went to the hospital for kidney stones, and he didn't come out. Uh, He passed away, a relatively young man. And so we never know uh, when we're going to be gone. Our lives are nothing more than the vapor, the the Bible says. We're here today, and we're gone tomorrow. And so we just don't know. So to some degree, all of us are living under death some dark clouds. Now, I don't want to live my life like Eeyore uh, and, and always see a cloud over my head and always be negative about life because there's some good things that go on in life. But we have to be aware of our situation. We have to be aware of the fact that we're, we're living in very dangerous times. And then the question is, do we have sense enough when we see the storm coming to come out of the rain? Well, in today's text, we're going to look forward in time And we're going to see a group of people who do have sense enough to come out of the rain because what we're going to see here, we're going to see the church in heaven uh, basking in the sunshine of the glory of God. And that's what we want to look at today. So it's a really, really positive text today. So go with me over to Revelation chapter 7 and let's begin by reading uh, verses number 9 and 10. And listen to what uh, he tells us here. He says, after these things I look, and this is John speaking, he says, and behold, a great multitude, which, uh, see if you can figure out who this multitude is, which no one could number. Now, God knew the number, but, but there were so many, John couldn't number them. Which no one could number of all nations, all tribes, all families, all peoples, all tongues, all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed, watch what they're clothed with, white robes and palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, who is this? Who is this standing before the throne of God? This innumerable amount of people uh, from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. Who are they? We know who they are. There has to be the church. And, and here, so what we have here, we have this group of Jews and Gentiles because they come from every tribe and every nation. So we know that they're Jews and Gentiles. And uh, they speak every language uh, from every nation on earth, and they're from every age. And notice what, what they have with them. They have white robes, and they have, uh, they have palm branches in their hands. Now, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? And we know, we've seen those palm branches before, haven't we? Well, it used to be when you went to Hawaii, I didn't go back then, but I was told about this. You'd go to Hawaii, and you'd get off the plane, and there would be hula girls there that would meet you, and they would have a gift for you. They would hand you a lay of flowers, and you'd put those around your neck, and they gave you that in order to welcome you to the island. Well, 
these believers here are given two things to welcome them home. And what are they given? They're given a white robe, and they're given a palm branch. Now, that white robe is something more than just a white robe. We've looked at that word before. That is a glittering and shining white robe. It's, it's, it's lit up with the very glory of God. It's part of our new eternal body. And they're also giving palm branches to wave. Now, why are they giving those palm branches to wave? Because they're uh, lifting up praise to the king of kings who's sitting upon the throne. So we're reminded of that Palm Sunday some 2,000 years earlier when the Jews worshiped the Lord by waving those palm branches and throwing them before the, on the ground as the donkey came by and Jesus was riding on the donkey. But those Jews just a few days later were the same people who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. So in heaven, this event's going to be replayed again, but this time the people who are holding those palm branches are sincerely worshiping the Lord. And they're worshiping with shouts of, listen to what he says. He says, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so here we are, here the church is in heaven, celebrating our salvation, celebrating, honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we honor him with great joy. You know, I really believe, and I, 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 I know it's true in my own life, I really believe that quite often as believers, we take our salvation for granted. But I'm going to tell you what, when we get to heaven and we see the glory of the Lord and we see the glory of our surroundings and we have perfect bodies, and perfect peace, and perfect joy, and we see the Lamb of God on the throne, and we see those nail-scarred hands and those nail-scarred feet, we're not going to take our salvation for granted anymore. Our hearts are going to be filled with great gratitude and great joy forever. And now, so here you have the church, and they're worshiping God, and then the angels and the elders join in, and the four living creatures. Look, look at verses 11 and 12. He says here, he says, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, now listen to what they say, amen. There's that word amen that we looked at in chapter 1. We see it throughout the Bible, but, but we, we, hopefully you remember the meaning of that word. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And then they close that worship with amen. So they begin it with amen and they close it with amen. Do you remember what the word amen means? It simply means it is sure. The Lord is sure. In other words, salvation belongs to the Lord. And look at what he says here. He says, all blessing belongs to the Lord. You know, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. You can't be truly blessed outside the Lord. You know, I know after I got saved in 1989, it changed the way I looked at everything in this world. I mean, a newborn baby. You see a newborn baby after you're born again, it changes the way you look at that child. 
You see an animal, your, your dog, your cat, it, it totally changes the way you I remember looking at my dog one day. I wasn't saved. Looking at my dog the next day. And it just totally changes the way you look at the animals, the way you look at God's creation, the way you look at a sunset or a sunrise or a rainbow or uh, an eclipse. It totally changes everything when you know the creator. You know that all of those things have been created for God for his good purposes. And so all glory, listen to what they sing here, all glory goes to him and all wisdom goes to him. All wisdom, all wisdom, all truth is found where? It's found in Jesus Christ. We're told in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures. All in the Greek means what? All. All wisdom. All truth. Where do we find it? We find it in Christ, and we find it in his word, because that's, that's how we know Christ is through the word. That's how we have the mind of Christ is through the word. And so... Uh, if you're ignorant of the word, you're lacking wisdom. And without wisdom, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no contentment in life. You know, I, I hear these scientists and I hear them uh, talk about creation. They don't talk about creation, they talk about evolution and they talk about how uh, this world came into existence because some uh, primordial gases exploded at the Big Bang, and I don't know where those gases came from, but they exploded, and, and uh, this whole universe that we see uh, before us uh, was created by this Big Bang. There are other theories about uh, the creation. There's other theories about how human beings came into existence, but all of it goes through evolution, evolution and it takes billions and billions and billions of years. But we know that that's not what wisdom we know that that's not the wisdom of God because we know the creator. And the creator tells us that he created the universe by his word. And he did all of this in seven days. Well, I believe that. Now, those people would say I'm ignorant. I would say that they're ignorant. And I've, I'll bank on the wisdom of Jesus Christ more than I'll bank on the wisdom of a bunch of secular Ph.D. scientists. I mean, I hear people talking about global warming and how uh, before long the earth is going to, uh, become so hot that all the glaciers are going to melt. We're not going to. We're going to go into this long, uh, drawn-out, uh, apocalyptic-type summer uh, where the earth heats up and the waters are flooded by these glaciers melting, and and uh, the world comes to an end. Well, that's not what my Bible says, and 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 those people are ignorant of the wisdom of God because my Bible says the Lord said after the flood that there will be. Times and seasons, there will be winter and fall and spring and summer. And uh, that, uh, that will go on until the earth ends. And I know that's true because that's the wisdom of God. And so uh, we honor God because every good and perfect gift comes from God. We are created by God. All wisdom is in God, and so all honor it goes to God. All power and might are in God. And so we give thanks to God, and that's what's going on here uh, in this scene as you see these elders uh, uh, and these uh, four living creatures uh, and these angels falling on their face and praising God. And they end that sentence with amen, amen. Hey, the wisdom of this world's not sure, but the wisdom of the Lord is sure. The power and might of the Lord is sure. 
All honor goes to the Lord. Amen. And then, listen to verse number 13. It says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, he actually really asked a question. He says, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? Well, it's interesting here that it's not one of the angels this time speaking to John. It's one of the elders. One of, actually, one of his fellow elders. And so, he asked John, he says, do you recognize these people who are in heaven? And I think John has an idea of who they are because he's already seen the 144,000 and those are the Jews who will be on the earth during the Great Tribulation. They have come from their uh, uh, 12,000 from uh, each tribe of 12 tribes or 144,000 Jews. And he sees these people and, and I, I can just imagine now John looking out over the sea of people and he sees black people, he sees white people, he sees Jewish people, he sees Chinese people. So he knows, I think he knows who these people are. I think he has a good idea who these people are. And he doesn't say, hey, I don't recognize these people, tell me who they are. He just says, you know, I'll just let you tell me. So he says uh, in verse 14, he says, sir, you know. So you tell me, you know. So he said, these are the ones, so the elder tells him, he's going to give him a description of who these people are. And watch this very carefully. He says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, who is that? I mean, how are we saved? We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our robes are made white. We're given the righteousness of Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God in him. And so we're saved by the blood, and we're saved by nothing but the blood. And so this has to be the church. There's no doubt here that he's talking about the church. But he's talking about a unique part of the church because he says something here that's really interesting. He says, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. So who are these? Well, most expositors would say, that these are the tribulation saints because they've come out of the tribulation. And if you went back and listened to my tape from last time when I went through Revelation, I would tell you about how these are the tribulation saints who have come out of the great tribulation. Well, I was, I'm not going to say that. I can't bring that myself to say that. I think I was wrong. I'll go that far. I don't ever like to say I'm wrong. But I don't believe that these are the tribulation saints. I don't believe that. I used to believe that, but I don't believe that. And let me give you the reasons I don't believe that. First of all, John has already shown us the tribulation saints when he opened the sixth seal. I'm sorry, the fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, we saw the tribulation saints who had come out of the tribulation. They had been martyred in the tribulation, and they were there crying out before the throne, how long, Lord, before you uh, take vengeance on those who took our blood? And the Lord tells them that, hey, go get you a white robe, and, and you're going to wait and, and, uh, until, until all of those people have been uh, martyred who are going to be martyred. And that has to take place before uh, the tribulation ends. So I believe he's already talked about the tribulation saints. The second reason I don't believe these are the tribulation saints is because of the timing 
of this passage in context. Uh, look, we know that all the events are, I think we know, again, I might change it. If you look at, listen to this five years from now, we might change it again. But we know in context that in chapter 7, we've gone back in time before the Great Tribulation because we see these four angels holding back the Great Tribulation. They're holding, they're at the four corners of the earth. And remember, I used that, showed you that Greek word last week. They're struggling to hold back this Great Tribulation. It's as if war could break out at any minute, and they're holding this back until two things are done. Two things are done. One, the 144,000 are sealed. Then secondly, I believe, I believe the second thing that has to happen is that the great, trib I'm, I'm sorry, that the church has to be raptured. Now, I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that the rapture of the church coincides with the beginning of the great tribulation. I have no doubt about that. Now, a lot of people say we could be raptured at any time. That's true. We could be raptured at any time, but when we're raptured, I'm going to tell you right now, when that trumpet blows at the rapture, that trumpet's going to blow, and that seventh seal is going to be opened, and the seven trumpets are going to be blown, and God's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth, and then the bowls of wrath are going to be pulled out on the, poured out on this earth. And so I believe that the timing of this uh, uh, tells us that these saints here represent the raptured church. And now, you remember when we were in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we looked at this passage about the, about the rapture and about the coming great tribulation and about the Antichrist. Remember in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7, you don't have to turn there, but let me read to you. He says, He who restrains will be taken out of the way, and then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Now, he who restrains, who is that who restrains? That's the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting, over in chapter 4, we see the Holy Spirit as seven spirits before the throne with, I believe, with the church. I believe we see the raptured church in chapter 4. And then we see the seven spirits who go out into the earth. I believe that God never forsakes, God is omnipresent. Uh, he's imminent in his creation. Uh, and so I believe that he never forsakes this earth, even during the great tribulation. He's still here. But he's here for a different reason. He's not here any longer to restrain evil on this earth. He's actually going to allow evil to, to flourish during this time of the great tribulation. And so there's these seven spirits representing the Holy Spirit are who on earth, and these seven spirits are who are before the throne. And I believe that represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is in us. And so the timing of this, we see these four angels holding back these winds of war and holding back the great tribulation, and then we see the church raptured, and then we see the trumpet blown. Now, here's the question. Why would he say that they're the ones who have come out of the great tribulation? Because, listen, you can, the believers will come out of the great tribulation at the beginning of the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, and everywhere in between. And I believe the ones who come out at the beginning of the tribulation are the raptured saints. And so the rest of the church goes through the great tribulation. 
the Laodicean church goes through the Great Tribulation. The reason they go through the Great Tribulation, let me tell you why. Because they didn't have sense enough to come out of the rain. They saw the storm clouds coming and they didn't do anything about it. And they really weren't in a sincere relationship with the Lord. And so they go through the Great Tribulation. But at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, we come out. The church comes out. If we're still here, then we come out of the Great Tribulation and we will be standing before the throne and we will be there seven years for the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's what I believe. Now, again, why would he say come out of the Great Tribulation? Well, let me, let me use an analogy to explain that to you. You all live in Louisiana, and you know how storms can come in Louisiana at any moment. I mean, if you see a dark cloud, I mean, one little dark cloud can get you awful wet in Louisiana. I, I ride a motorcycle, and I can tell you right now, you see a dark cloud, and you stop, and you put your rain gear on or just plan on getting wet. What I've learned to do is just, just go through the rainstorm because I, you see the cloud, you get soaked, and you come out, and you just let the wind blow you dry. So that's what I do now. But... but uh, uh, a, a rainstorm can come up in just a moment's notice. And so let's say I'm out in my yard and I'm doing some yard work that my wife made me do. And, and uh, I see these clouds, these dark clouds forming. And I hear the thunder and I see the lightning. And so I come inside. And my wife says to me, why have you come inside? I've because I've come out of the rain. Now, even though I haven't gotten wet, I've come out of the rain. And so that's what I believe he's saying here. These believers have come out of the great tribulation as it began, as, as the trumpet is blown. And so I believe it's that chapter 7 is an interlude uh, before the great tribulation begins. And so this church that we see here before the throne is actually the raptured church of God. All right, now, that's why, that fits perfectly now, if you think about it, with what Paul says over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says that when, at the rapture, we will hear the voice of the Lord, and what else do we hear? The sound of the trumpet. Now, the voice of the Lord, we heard that in chapter 4. What's he say? He says, come up here. He will ascend. He will pick us up. He will take us to heaven to be with him forever. All right, so he will say, come up here. And then that trumpet is blown. At the same time that he says, come up here, there's a loud trumpet that's blown. Now, I believe that trumpet coincides with the Feast of Tabernacles, but I also believe that trumpet is the trumpet of the seventh seal. And we're going to be looking at that seventh seal beginning next week. And the seventh seal are the seven trumpets. And the seventh trumpet is the seven bowls of wrath. And so that's the great, all of that is the great tribulation. And so when that trumpet is blown and the great tribulation begins, the, the, that's the trumpet that also blows the Feast of Tabernacles. And we go to be with the Lord forever. Did I confuse you at all? That's pretty clear to me now. Don't go back and listen to my last tape. But uh, if you don't do that, you won't be confused. Now, could I be wrong about that? No. <laughs> so we're going to take that as dog, uh, dogmatic truth now and don't ever argue with me about it. I'm teasing. We might be wrong about that. I, I'm certain of this, that what we see on, at that throne in this interlude before the Great Tribulation is the church. No doubt that's the church because we're the ones who's washed by the blood. 
that probably might include the dead in Christ, but for some reason he says they've come out of the great tribulation. So I think that's just another sign about the rapture of the church. All right, now. All right, so the, the dead in Christ, along with the raptured church, are there before the Lord, and uh, man, look at how good it gets at that point. That's what I want you to see today. Therefore they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Let me read that again. This is your future. If you've got sense enough to come out of the rain. Therefore they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne I just can't imagine this. He who sits on the throne, God Almighty in the flesh, none other than Jesus Christ, will dwell among them. Now, he doesn't tell us how we're going to serve him. We see this picture of us serving him in the temple. We see us there serving him day and night. We see this picture of us praising him day and night. So one of the ways that we're going to serve him is to worship him. And we're going to worship him forever and ever and ever. If you don't like worshiping God right now, hey, if you come in here on Sunday morning and you're having a real struggle with worshiping God, don't blame it on the praise team. <laughs> blame it on yourself. If you're having a tr trouble being interested in this word, don't blame it on me. I might be the most boring pastor in the world. But don't blame it on me. Blame it on yourself. And, and, and that's maybe a sign that you might be in some spiritual trouble. Because, listen, that's all we're going to, that's the main thing about heaven. It's going to be worshiping God, living in the very presence of God. And so if you don't want to do that now, I don't know why you're going to want to do that forever. I mean, if you want to be carousing and doing all those kind of things, you need to head down below, not here. But I don't know they're going to be doing much of that either. Uh... But anyway, look at, look at what we have in store. Now, he doesn't tell us how we're going to serve him, but he tells us where we're going to serve him. That's what's important to me. He says we're going to be in his temple by his throne. That means we're going to be wherever he is. Wherever he is, that's where we're going to be. And we'll never grow tired of serving him. We won't even sleep. We won't have to sleep in those new glorified bodies that are glowing like light. We won't have to sleep. We'll be so full of the Spirit, we will never grow tired. You grow tired now, you won't grow tired in heaven. We'll serve Him day and night. Now, here's what I really want you to see. He says, he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Let me, let me give you a literal translation of what that says right there. It says, he, the Lord will spread himself over them. He, the Lord, will spread himself over them. In other words, we will be encompassed by his glory forever. You remember in Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus was about to depart this earth, he was about to go to the cross and ascend back to heaven, and one last time, he looks out over the city of Jerusalem, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you together as a mother hen gathers her little chicks under her wings. That's the picture that we have right here. 
we have this picture of the Lord spreading out His wings of glory over us. And we're near Him. And we never depart from Him. We're always in His presence. You know, the greatest part of heaven, look, people get this wrong. When they think the greatest part of heaven are the, the streets of gold, I could care less about the streets of gold. That's like asphalt in heaven. That's not any big deal. I mean, the, the mansions of glory, that's not the big deal. The big deal is God himself spreading himself over us and filling us with his glory forever. And you talk about wonderful. It's going to be so wonderful. We'll get just a little bit of a description of how wonderful it is in these last couple of verses. Listen to what he says. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now that's a very rich passage right there, those couple of verses. We learn a lot about what heaven's going to be, be like. It's going to be a wonderful place. You know, when I got saved, I was out in the middle of the desert and out in the middle of nowhere. And I saw the glory of God there for a moment out in the desert. And just for a short moment, I felt what it was like to have those wings of glory surrounding me. I felt so close to the Lord during those few moments I was out there. I didn't want to ever leave. Now, he left me there, you know, hanging, but I didn't want to leave. I mean, it was the most wonderful experience I've ever had in my life. I felt perfect peace. I felt perfect joy. I felt as if I didn't have a trouble in the world. And let me tell you what, at that point, I was in a lot of trouble. But I felt like everything was going to work out in my life. Everything was going to work out for the good. I mean, I, I just had this perfect peace. I had this I felt the perfect love of God, and I didn't want that to ever end. And, when, and, and I've had a few experiences since then where I felt the presence of God, and I felt those wings of God hovering over me, and I felt His power, and I felt His Spirit, and I don't want that to ever end. But one day in heaven, it won't end. One day in heaven, God is going to surround us with His glory. He's going to encompass us with His glory. And look at, look at the benefits of that. He says they'll never hunger or thirst anymore. Do you hunger or thirst? You know, the reason people do drugs, the reason people do alcohol, the reason people watch all these bad movies, the reason we, we watch all that terrible television, the reason we look at politics, the reason we, we're thirsting for something. We're hungering for something. Deep down in our souls, we want something more than this life is offering us. And so we hunger and thirst. Well, there's coming a point in life where where we won't ever have to hunger or thirst anymore. We're going to be perfectly content. Can you imagine being perfectly, perfectly content? Because when you have perfect contentment, you have perfect joy. We'll be perfectly content in the love of God. Perfectly content. And then the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. What's he, what's he speaking of there? He's speaking of the trials won't burn you anymore. Well, we go through a trial now, and, and, and sometimes we throw our faith right out the window. Sometimes we, we, we go into this death spiral, and we have, we have this big pity party, and we go into despair, and we go into depression. 
Well, there's coming a day when those trials won't affect us one bit. Now, according to the way I read the Bible, we're going to spend seven years at the wedding supper of the Lamb, celebrating being the bride of Christ, celebrating that joy and that peace and our great salvation, worshiping the Lamb day and night. I mean, I can't imagine how great that's going to be at the end of the seven years. Jesus is going to come to us and say, guys, it's time to go back to earth. And guess what we're going to do today? We're going to conquer the whole world. And you're going with me. Now, some of those timid believers are going to say, well, Lord, you know, can't I just stay up here? You know, I really don't know about fighting any wars or anything. We'll let you handle that and come get us later after you've done it. I'll know he said, you're going with me. But that's just, that's maybe the, one of the greatest things we'll do in history. But you know what we'll be doing? We'll just be riding along with the Lord. And by his word, he's going to speak and he's going to dissolve the armies of this world. He's going to wipe the armies of this world out. I mean, that's just a picture of any trial. I certainly believe if we're going to serve God day and night, we're going to face some trials in the future, out in eternity. But they're going to be nothing to us. They're not going to face us. The heat's not going to bother us. The heat's not going to burn us. He says, they will hunger... They will neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore, and the sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne, listen to what he's going to do. He will shepherd them. Brandon can tell us about that. He's been doing the 23rd Psalm on Wednesday, some Wednesday night. And he can tell, him, tell us about the Lord leading us to still waters. He's going to lead us to waters you can't imagine you're going to be able to drink. The waters of life. The living fountains of waters. You could interpret that or uh, translate that. The fountains of life. The waters, fountains of life. That's what it is. The word Zoe is there. Life. God is going to take us. He's going to give us what kind of life? He's going to give us eternal life. He's going to give us his life. Abundant life. A life full of contentment. That's why we won't hunger or thirst anymore. And and we're going to have perfect joy. And let me tell you why we're going to have perfect joy. Because in that day, everything will be made right. Everything in us and everything around us. There will be no more reason to be upset. There will be no more reason to cry. And that's how God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There won't be any more tears. You'll have nothing to cry about. I mean, the only tears we might have in heaven will be tears of joy. And we'll probably have shed a lot of those when we see the Lamb in all of His glory. I don't know about y'all, but, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Y'all probably not going to believe the story I'm going to tell you. But when I was a little boy, it's just like it is today. A storm could come at any time out of nowhere. This is the part you're not going to believe. Back then, I didn't have sense enough to come out of the rain. I would see those dark clouds brewing in the horizon and coming my way. And I would hear the distant thunder, and I would see the distant lightning flash. Also, I could hear my mom tell me, get inside right now. 
But I kept right on doing what I was doing. But then that lightning got really close. And it struck really hard and really close. And I heard that blast of thunder. And I ran inside. But it was a block or so away from my house. And so by the time I got home, I was soaked. I was wet. See, see the picture I'm trying to paint for you right there? That's a picture of most of the people in this world now. Most of the people in the organized church now, they see the black clouds gathering. They hear the thunder. They hear the word of the Lord warning them to come in. But they keep right on doing what they're doing. And what's going to happen, that trumpet's going to blow. And they're going to find themselves in the middle of a frightening storm. Now, they might come out of it, but it won't be at the beginning of the tribulation. It will be during the tribulation. As, and they'll see these rains, these rains pouring down, these rains of evil, these rains of disasters, natural disasters, these rains of war. And the only escape then from those trials will be death. What about you? Do you see the storm coming? I mean, I really believe with all my heart that the great tribulation is going to begin here fairly soon. But let's say it doesn't. Let's say it doesn't. Let me tell you what. It's not too many years before you come back here in 50 years. None of you will be here. Most of you won't be here. A few of you might be here. Some of you younger ones. Most of us will be gone. That's a short period of time. I like what Vance Hebner says. He says, graves come in all sizes. You don't know when your time is. And the question is, are we prepared? I mean, how do we prepare ourselves? Well, you know, we have to have faith. But faith isn't just, faith is two things. Faith is knowledge and then applying that knowledge to our lives. And a lot of us here and here and here and here, but we don't do, do, do. We're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word. We have knowledge, but we don't have faith. And if you've got real faith, let me tell you what, you're taking the times we live in very seriously because you know that the Lord could come at any moment. If you've got knowledge now, that might not bring you to that point. But real faith brings you to a point where you see that this world is in trouble. Look, our government is shut down. They're going to fix that more than likely, but let me tell you what, they're not, all they're going to do is stick a finger in the dike. Our, the United States of America is in serious, serious trouble. We've got, a, we've got people that just soon bring the whole thing down into anarchy as to fix the problems that we have. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people out there who call themselves Christians when that, who, when that trumpet blows. 
they're going to be left behind. Jesus talked about this in the parable of the ten virgins. He said there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish virgins. The five wise virgins had their lamps filled with oil and lit and ready. And when the midnight cry came, friends, that is the trumpet. That is the trumpet. That is the seventh seal. That's exactly what we're looking at here. When that midnight cry came, they were allowed inside. The other five virgins, now it's interesting he calls them virgins because virgins, to me, represents purity. So that tells me that this is the church. The ten virgins, that number ten is God's number. That represents the church. So half of the church comes in. That's who John sees here. The other half is left out. And they bang on the door and Jesus says, I don't know you, not yet. It's going to take the great tribulation for you to get serious about your faith. You know, let's say there's no great tribulation. Let's say you live for the next hundred years. Why would you not want to live under the shadow of God's wings? There are so many people in the church who are suffering unnecessarily because we're going to cisterns that never satisfy. Read Psalm 83. Instead of getting close to the Lord, we're getting close to the world. And, we're, and, and, we, and we go through things that we don't have to go through. And the things that we go through that are difficult, we're going to go through difficult things. You'll, we'll have trials, but they're a lot easier when you're living under the shadow of God's wings. Friends, that is a simple choice. It's a simple choice. You get serious about your faith, and you're out of here with the great when that trumpet's blown. You, leave a, you, you live an easier life, a better life, a more wonderful life until that trumpet's blown. Are you going to the great tribulation? Are you constantly facing tribulations in this life that you can't solve yourself and you're trying to solve them yourself? I mean, whether you are raptured or whether you are here on the great tribulation, whether you lead a glorious, victorious Christian life or whether you're miserable during this life, it all depends upon you. Do you have sense enough to come out of the rain and bask in the glory of the sunshine of the living God. That's our choice. That's a choice you've got to make every single moment of every single day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just love you. We thank you that there's so many great promises in your word about how you want to nurture and protect and empower your children, how you love your church as, your, as a, more than we possibly can understand. As we're, the, we're God's bride. Lord, and we're, so many of us are married to this world. Lord, help us to have the sense. Give us the common sense to come out of the rain and draw close to you. 
Father, if there's someone here who plays church, who comes here, who has knowledge but has no real faith because they've never put that faith into action, Lord, they've never applied it to their own life in a real way to where they're born again, Lord, I ask that today you touch them with the urgency of this situation we're living in. The difficult times, whether we go through the great tribulation or not, difficult times are coming our way soon, Lord. Help us. Help us to live in your sunshine. Help them, Lord, to those who don't know you, to know you today. today be, let today be the day of their salvation. Father, we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.